0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: He turns. He
0: fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer.
1: Bibby has the open shot. Yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your...
2: Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Mr. Brendan Nunes from the Kings Herald and the Kings Pulse Podcast. What's going on, Brendan?
3: Not too much, James. Uh, had a good time at the draft viewing party, at least hanging out with everybody. I think we'll get a little bit more into the results of the draft night, but it was at least enjoyable. All right.
2: Uh, and, of course, uh, Mr. Sean Cunningham from Fox
1: 40. Uh, what's going on, Sean? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, great morning, great morning. And I actually finally got to wear my Rihanna T-shirt, which is, i just going to bring this up just a little bit so oh, you can see Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. There All we right. Are.
0: <laughs> could, could is that some...
2: still
3: your screensaver on your phone? Let show showed everyone yesterday.
1: Let me, let me check. check. Let me check because things have changed. There's a lot that's happened over the past – yes yes it, it is. is of course it is yes and it could yeah. have a dif- uh, a little bit of a significant symbolic meaning today <laughs> the oh. day after the NBA draft all right all there's right some saltiness out there uh
2: there's some saltiness um yeah I, like we're gonna uh, we're gonna go pretty long here on on the NBA draft that happened on Thursday night we would have brought you a podcast uh from Golden one center on, uh, following the draft, but uh, two things. Number one, the Kings wouldn't let us have anywhere to podcast. I was told well. that uh, leading up to the draft. No, they told us they would not make any. We, were, we weren't going to be given a spot to podcast later. Uh, number two, um, even though the Kings um, didn't do anything after like 515 in the draft, uh, we waited until 10 o'clock for Monty McNair's press conference. Um, so that also limited what we could do as well. Uh, so we pushed the, uh, the podcast to today, not better at all, not at all. Uh, the food was fine. The, uh, the Kings, like the practice facility was amazing. They had all tables set up for us to sit and, uh, you know, plug in our computers and sit there that TVs everywhere. They, they had this draped off area and this huge press conference area. Um, but I, I don't know. Let's, let's start there. Did the draft go uh, as you guys expected? Well, no, no.
1: Can anyone say yes? No. the The draft not only went uh, nowhere as I expected. <laughs> the uh, we neither did the like processes of the draft. Like we didn't even get to talk to the pick.
2: Yeah, and Sean is bent. Just so everyone knows, Sean is bent that we didn't talk to Keegan Murray. Well and you um, should be too. No, I I, I totally agree. I was. I I, yeah. I I am just as but I didn't know. No one came over and told me, Hey, we're not getting Keegan Murray. Right. I didn't ask. I just assumed that there was gonna be a moment where they came over and said, Hey, everyone huddle around a phone like we always do and we're gonna get the pick, or let's open up a Zoom call and you'll get the pick. No.
1: No. 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 I, I don't want to harp on it, um, because there 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 are definite reasons for it, but it's more of an apology for really what is being the only team that didn't, that that drafted, especially that drafted in the lottery that you didn't really get to hear from. You didn't really get to have your, your, your local media provide you some content from that. So uh, it's, it's tough, uh, but it is what it is. And uh, hopefully it's a, uh, hopefully that's the last time, but in terms of the draft, um, no, it didn't go. It didn't really. Go, I I won't say that I was surprised because I certainly we all knew that there was a there was a big interest in Keegan marie Um, I thought for me, I just feel like uh, there might have been a little bit of a move to 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 get Keegan Murray. Um, maybe fall down a little bit and try and get something else, uh, and then take him at five or six. Thought that might have been possible. Didn't know that you would uh, have to do it at four. But at the end of the day, if they got the guy that they wanted, um, and they're unified on that, I don't know that I believe. <laughs> I don't know that I believe Monty McNair when he says that it's a uh, that everybody was was all in, hundred percent unanimous that they say that they felt that Keegan Murray was the best player available. Uh, however, you define that, um, there's a lot of people in that room, and I don't, <laughs> you know. Um, unless unless some of those people lie to us or, or things like that, I, I just I don't know that I believe that. but whatever, as long as you are unified as a team, uh, you can certainly see their reaction when they drafted him. I, I truly believe that Monty McNair got his guy if that makes sense. And that at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. I want I, that's we can all have our opinions. Our opinions as I, as we've talked about are not fact and it's his job on the line. It's, it's the front office jobs on the line. They're the ones that are supposed to do it. So I can understand the disappointment out there, but at the end of the day, I think they really got themselves a hell of a player. So, um, you know, draft grades for, for people who make them, uh, hours, days after the draft don't mean anything. And you'll be able to grade this draft three years from now. And, I think the one thing that's undeniable is the the, the skill set, the talent that Keegan Murray brings to this team should, and I hate using the word should, should fit in rather nicely with uh, a piece like Demonis Sabonis. Why, yes, he should, Sean.
3: Couldn't have said it better myself. Um,
1: I, I think a big
3: part of yesterday was expecting fireworks, and. Getting absolutely nothing. Um, I do really like Keegan Murray, and I feel like it's unfair to Keegan that there's gonna be all this extra things attached to him, and there's always gonna be Jaden Ivy attached to him, and was he taken too high? And it, it's just, I guess this happens with every draft prospect, but it feels like even more extreme in the situation that Sacramento was in last night, and. Mm-hmm. I think that taking keegan um with the fourth pick is i I see why it could have been difficult to trade down and still secure keegan you know like what if detroit is sitting there at five and thinking that they don't care between keegan and ivy we're going to take whichever one's available and so then if you can't trade with detroit you're not getting keegan if you move down um i i just you don't know what the other team's boards were looking like um wouldn't surprise me if Detroit liked IV better than Keegan. So I certainly would have liked to see a move and trade down, but I could see why maybe that's complicated. And if they do really like Keegan, then I don't hate them taking their guy. Like it just, there needs to be more. Um, and I think that that's where my frustration is. Um, I know that I'm going to very much like Keegan Murray as a player. I think he's the type of player and person that the Kings need like the Kings at this point have a little bit of I think we can notice some trends now in Monty McNair's draft history because there's three first round picks now every single one of those guys Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, now Keegan Murray extremely high character guys who were already good at the time of um, college and high floor guys as well Is is kind of what I think they were all labeled as and they all have um, they're all talked about is having extremely high work ethics and at some point in their development curve had an outlier spike so if you're betting on the person that keegan murray is which is kind of what i got as monty mcnair trying to sell us um that keegan murray also is a very good basketball player but we're also betting on the person to take it beyond that then keegan murray at four i am okay with it's after that where I get a little bit lost, and there's so many more moves that need to be made from here on until the start of next season.
1: Okay, You're, so uh, his like, answer surprised me, James. What's his answer surprised yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, a Who, little Who Monty's? N- no, sorry, Brendan's. Oh, okay. Because Brendan famously had kind of a little bit of a mini meltdown regarding uh, Keegan Murray and if they draft Keegan Murray. So famously, did that did that change the your your thinking, Brendan? It didn't.
2: He's going through the stages of grief. I really am. I really (laughs) am. He's got to acceptance. We're at acceptance. That's what's happening here, Sean.
3: (laughs) It's kind of that I felt like it became unfair to Keegan, including like probably a handful of things that I said. Um, I I do think that it could totally be a regret passing on Jaden Ivey. I I think that it could absolutely be the wrong decision, Um, but once it's like official that keegan is the guy we're going to be covering he's a member of the sacramento kings like keegan murray is a guy that i really like as a basketball player i don't know it's just the valuation of pick number four is tough but i do really like keegan it's okay the, brendan
1: brace it's yourself because here here comes the here comes the blowtorch from from james Brace, yeah. brace yourself.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, we are, like, rationalizing at this point. That's that's what happens in this situation.
3: Yes. Um, if we recorded last night, I would yeah. have been way more heated. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, number good. one, I, I will tell you this. Uh, the Kings fed uh, Woj, like, stories. They they fed him leading up to the finals. They fed him earlier this week about the number four pick. They were His words were very clear that— The Kings believe that there is a huge drop-off from pick number four to pick number five and that Jaden Ivey is the fourth pick and that teams are coming up to get him, blah, 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 blah. The Kings believe that there was a huge drop-off from four to five. There is no way that the Kings were trying to hold off other teams that were trying to move to the third pick to draft Keegan Murray so they and steal their guy. There's no way. So, what exactly happened? Because I'll tell you what happened. What happened is it like my my guy Kenny Caraway said? You done got played by the Detroit Pistons. You wouldn't call their bluff. You wouldn't draft Jaden Ivey at number four and force them to give something up to move uh, to to you know swap four for five. So, look, we've talked about this a bunch of times. My issue is not Keegan Murray. I like Keegan Murray. I like Keegan Murray as a prospect. I think he's probably fifth through seven as far as players in this draft. So there's not even that big of a reach. The problem is that the Sacramento Kings are like four rotational players away from being close to a playoff team, and they just blew the one opportunity that's a legit—you only got three opportunities to improve your team, right? The draft— trades, and free agency. Free agency, just take out and flush it on the toilet. Sacramento Kings' best player they've ever signed in free agency is Vladi Divac. That's the best player they've ever signed in free agency. So, you just got done with the draft, and you only got one player. What next? How are you going to improve the roster? Because as of right now, you're a 36-38 to win team at best. So, What are you going to do? And the question starts to become Are you just not a closer? Because every single time we hear these deals are close, they go somewhere else or you don't close them. Does the Kings front office have an issue with closing the deal? And I don't care what they have to give up, all that stuff. We'll talk about the second round picks. To me, it was just the biggest joke I've ever seen. The fact that they made a pick at five thirty five or whatever, and then nothing else except for going backwards for the next six hours. Like I don't know. Like I, I was so underwhelmed with the entire evening. And this is not about Keegan Murray because Keegan Murray is gonna be a rotational player in Sacramento for the next decade. He is a starter, he is a quality starter. I don't know if he's a plus starter, he's a quality starter. I think he can be a really good, multifaceted player, and he fits perfectly. I, I agree on all of those things. But when you draft Keegan Murray, who is a four, it basically ends your pursuit of John Collins, which might have been the only player that you could have brought in to like sort of up your your the quality of play. Now that deal is pretty much, to me, I, I mean, maybe you go make that deal, and then we get to spend three months with them trying to convince us that Keegan Murray can play the three. I think he can. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, you can think he can, and just James like says no. <laughs> Mike Krzyzewski <Chichesky laughs> said that Marvin Bagley can play the three. Or who was it that, oh, Pete Carrill convinced, tried to convince Paul Westfall that Jason Thompson could play the three. Keegan Murray's a four. He moves like a four, it, like lateral quickness-wise. That's his position. Um, like maybe he can play a couple of minutes at the three. but he...
1: I, I, th- I think he can guard, you know, one through – or not one. I, mean, I don't think one. There's a, I, His coach today when I spoke to Fran McCaffrey thought he could guard one through five. I, I'm not convinced of that. I hope he's right. No. Good, that, that'll so could really Willie well. Cauley-Stein. And...
2: <laughs> yeah. He can guard one <laughs> through five.
1: But he can definitely <laughs> – Guard five, through three through five, maybe two through five. Um, it, you know, I I think there's,
3: we'll see,
2: we'll see yeah. at the NBA level because I, mean, I don't think so. He has I mean, some
1: we really good get,
3: moments against Johnny Davis.
1: Yeah, and we can get we can can more in that later. Um, but I I, I want to unpack a couple things that you guys both said, and, and I'm just gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate. It's not because I agree with uh, uh the contrary of what you guys said, but just to pose a different um a different outlook here. I'll start with Brendan because Brendan had mentioned, and I don't want to lose sight of it, about the excitement for the draft, your anticipation for the draft, um, things you were expecting. I, I think it's just, uh, again, a reminder that, 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 that the expectations, you control your own expectations. By the intel you have, um, you can't take the the temperature of the room by reading reports and rumors. Like, that's a... That's why I caution people all the time. Like if you're reading all these reports about things that are going to happen, those are still rumors, man. They don't, nothing is fact until it happens. So you control your own expectations and emotions as a fan and as a media member walking into this thing. Certainly you can have expectations within your mind and say, okay, but you have to prepare yourself for pretty much anything. Um, and, and the, and the more drafts you go through, especially if you're a Kings fan, um, to me, you can have the disagreement of who, whether they should have picked somebody or whatever have your feelings, that's great. But I think you should have solace in the fact that if it, organizationally, if they make a pick or, or feel a certain way, that ult- that ultimately is is the more like you can't have situations where it comes out and it's like, oh, the room was split. you know you don't have this whole I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. but everyone's gonna have opinions. everybody does, even within the organization. Um, if you take them at face value and at their word, and again, I don't necessarily believe them. But again, if Monty McNair got if if he got the guy he 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 wanted all along, that to me I think is a, is a good thing. I, okay. Um, the other thing I'll say is is even with James mentioning the Wode report, like I I think both things can be true. I I think you know I I I know that there had been so many talks, and the one thing that I think stood true was the value of four. And even if the value of four, when they were, you have the value of four and then you have their, their belief that they want Keegan Murray the most of those. Once those three are off the board, because I think they had uh, other players a little bit higher, um, had someone like Chet Holmgren been available, but obviously one through three is gone. I think the both things can be true. They wanted Keegan Murray but they also wanted a very high value to move out of the four. and I think a lot of what came out in reports prior to the draft was a lot of posturing, just an incredible oh, totally. amount of posturing. Totally. So it doesn't necessarily I mean, you know it doesn't necessarily mean that that nothing happened and and granted, after they made their <laughs> pick and I mean obviously they made trades they they traded their their second round picks. Um, it doesn't mean that things weren't weren't happening. Uh, there's things that didn't get consummated, and a lot of what happens on draft day might might play out in the weeks to come. Uh, hopefully, that's the case. But I do agree with the disappointment, James, because I, I, I agree with the the fact that at four they took Keegan Murray, and they didn't they weren't able to necessarily uh, find solutions from other teams by getting creative to move around. That's not for maybe lack of trying. So I don't want to necessarily hit him over over top of the head but it 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 is frustrating when you see a move like jeremy grant and it involves the detroit pistons and um
2: they got him for nothing
1: but the pistons also they just played their bluff right like they may have had conversations about certain guys and the pistons were convinced that hey they're not going to take our guy they're not going to take Jade and Ivy and if they do, Keegan Murray will look look fantastic in a Detroit Pistons uniform. You know what I mean? So, um, I think I think it was one of the, like a like a not a boy who cried wolf necessarily, but they just it, it's like poker. They just knew you had nothing. They just knew that that okay, go ahead and draft Jade and Ivy and and we'll be fine with with the alternative. Uh, but we really like Jade Ivy, but we're not going to give you any of our pieces especially for the asking price that you have. And it's basically just calling your bluff.
2: Yeah, I mean, it feels like that they overplayed their hand a bit, for sure. Um, And then at the end of the day, they couldn't make anything happen. And look, I I, uh, 10 o'clock on Wednesday night, I put out my final mock draft. And in that, I had them taking Keegan Murray. And, And I think the love of Keegan Murray played a huge part of this. Like, they fell in love with Keegan Murray. And so that made it less likely for them to move down because they were worried they would miss out on him if they did move down. I get that. But again, you're a team that's so far away. Like, And the teams around you, it's not that Jeremy Grant got traded. Jeremy Grant got traded to one of your main competitors for a low-level playoff spot. So not only did you not get him, but your competition got him. And, and that's a problem. In the and, West in the west. Yeah, like like that's that's a big deal. That that adds to the failure of that that specific thing. And maybe Jeremy Grant's not on your list. Maybe he's not someone that you want. But I mean, Portland wanted him and, you know, they're a team that's that's probably going to be better than you. They they've got a good shot because they were aggressive and they went out and did things to shake it up and uh and I I just feel like the Kings, I think the value that they placed on, uh, on Keegan was so incredibly high that they weren't willing to do something that risked not getting him. And that plays into a larger question. They didn't interview anyone else. Like, they didn't. I don't care yeah. what they say. Like, I sat on all of these prospect interviews, uh, all of these Zoom calls, They were in the building at Jaden Ivey's workout. Vivek Ranadeve sitting courtside. We saw him with a hat on, sitting right next to Monty McNair. Other teams talked to him that day and then set up workouts. OKC talked to him that day, set up workouts. He said, I never met with the Kings. So they went and, and watched him. Where's the conversation? That's part of this, like...
1: Well, you uh, need it, to get your hands on these guys. It's you like need to have
2: conversations. Yeah,
1: it's like we've talked about though. Like people were bypassing Sacramento, and a lot of that is because they believe they were probably move the pick. A lot of that is due to the lack of success. And if you're Jaden Ivey and you're you're his people, you don't necessarily want to put him pair him next to Deer and Fox when you can, when Cade Cunningham might be a better solution where for him to absolutely blossom.
2: So I think though, but, Sean, my point is this. If you interview Benedict Matherin, you interview Dyson Daniels, you go out and do a bunch of work on A.J. Griffin and on all of these prospects, you may fall in love with one of those guys as well, and it could open the door for you to not be so staunch at number four and falling in love with Keegan Murray. You could have fallen in love with somebody else as well that Mm -hmm. could also be a really good player, and I think by not doing the work, and not getting those guys in the building, I don't care if they watch film on these guys. I watch film on all these guys too, like I don't care. Like get your hands on these guys, interview these guys, and yeah, to well, me that's that, where that's... like I have I take sort of like an issue with the way that this entire where you had Keegan Murray and Jeremy Sohan through, and that's it.
1: Well, and that's that's what I was getting at too, is like you you're building up a guy in Ivy who'd probably rather not be there again. He. he if he if he was drafted he, he'll show up. I mean that's that's his team now. He's not yeah, going to screw up his professional Gavone, career. He's not going to right. They crazy. could have a situation where someone won't sign their contract.
2: Yeah. Whatever. Look, the,
1: as much <laughs> as the agency as much as the agency might say, hey, maybe we can work out a trade and explore those options, he's going to cooperate, man. It's going to happen. But my point yep. is, I believe money about the look. It's it's you don't necessarily need to have your hands on all these guys. You would like to. To still do your job right to to, to still do <clears throat> your due diligence, if you will, because we can't say that so much, but I think the other thing could be true as well, which is that's i asked i kept asking those questions about those workouts yesterday, one' because it was the first time we talked to Monty <laughs> during the you know and for the whole process um but just wondering how much of a challenge it created because then they they ultimately took the guy the one one of the one guys that they. Had the communication and all that contact with, had him in their building, um, had took him to dinner, that kind of stuff, showed him a little bit of the city. So, by virtue of having done that, and you can say the other ones you didn't, it didn't persuade, it didn't take you away from drafting the person, but you clearly went with the one that you did, one of the one of the few that you did. How much did that make a difference? To that point, like also taking somebody that wanted to be in Sacramento, you know, that, that's something, I mean, that's, that reeks also of what Tyrese Halliburton situation from uh, two, two, whatever, three years ago it was with Davion Mitchell had no contact with Sacramento really. I mean, it was no workout. And, and so you, you went best player available and you took him and that's worked out pretty well so far, but clearly I think having a player who wanted to be here and identified that, that he wanted to be here, whether he'll say it to you or not, I think played a rather big factor, Um, just in the situation because, again, you had him in your building, you had your vets around him. I think one of the reasons I think this also happened was you had keep members of your team not only meet with this person but probably provide feedback. And if you're Deer and Fox, and they've they've the first two drafts of your of your front office have been drafting players play player position um you know I think you're probably voicing hey I'd like a I'd like a stretch for I'd like a wing player uh you know these are the conversations you're having and after meeting with with Keegan Murray I I fully believe that Deere Fox would have rather had Keegan Murray than Jaden Ivey and I don't think that's going to surprise anybody right
2: no I I think that that's totally the spot on Brennan, what do you, we, we've kind of, Sean and I have gone back and forth here, left you out. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no yeah. worries. I mean, it's the whole,
3: okay. yeah, the interview process and all that and, and pre-draft process is uh, new to me or a new perspective this season. So it's interesting to hear you guys talk about that. I, I think the point of somebody that wanted to be there, um, and, and I think the reason that I'm, I guess, a lot different in the way that I'm presenting and, and seem to be going about this than I was previously is, I'm just going to choose to trust for a second until I'm proven otherwise or until it goes sour. Like if Monty says that that's who he thinks the best guy is available and maybe it'll work out. Maybe I'm wrong. What do I know? These guys are putting way more time into this than I am. um, So maybe I am wrong about this and hopefully Keegan really was the guy. I got really thrown off by the unanimous thing that Sean pointed off early. Uh, pointed out earlier to say it was unanimous in the room that every single person thought that he was best player available. When the consensus goes against that, like it just doesn't, it's not even like we expect everybody in the room to have the same guy. Like, I think it's good to have varying opinions and presenting both sides and then coming to a conclusion that maybe some people don't agree on. Like, I don't understand why that, was said um, that one really stood out to me and it feels like there's so much of like last year's team was kind of hard to watch there were some personalities that were not the most enjoyable
2: it was horrible bread it was 30 games
3: and they lost 52 (laughs) I gotta say I think this year's team is like going to put a better product on the floor I think a decent amount has to do with the trades that they made last Um, Last season, just the Sabonis and having him for 60 seasons, uh, Buddy and and Bagley being gone. Like, I do think that the team is a lot more likely to get along and play for each other and start to build a good culture in Sacramento. Like, that is the one positive I feel like I can take here, is that I feel like they are consistently bringing in high-character guys who have really high uh, work ethics. And if all of those guys really get along and are out there fighting for each other and and pushing each other, like I could see a way that it works, but clearly I'm justifying this to myself right now. And I'm just gonna choose to try to see their vision until uh, it doesn't go that way.
2: Okay, I, I wanna, going back to Sean's point, I'm gonna say this. They just gave the roadmap to not going to Sacramento. And let's not fool ourselves. This team could be in the exact same position next year because as of right now, this is a bad team. Straight up, it's a bad team. So, Vlade Divac got so much like flack for for saying that you know, if he doesn't want to work out for Vlade, Vlade doesn't want to draft him. Right? That's what he said about Emmanuel Moutier. The Kings just did the same thing. Monty McNair just did the same exact thing. He just didn't say it. You don't want to work out for Monty? Well, Monty ain't going to draft you a number four. Like, so well, but every team in the every agent, every team, there is yeah. a roadmap to get out of Sacramento. I know that for sure. Because I know that at least one free agent that left here has given a, that roadmap to other players to get out of Sacramento, the words and things to say to get out of Sacramento. Now we have a roadmap for how to not get drafted by the Kings. You just don't show up.
1: I, I, look, far be it for me to disagree. But the, again, just having to point it out, like they did, they, they got Davion Mitchell. They did, they did it with Davion Mitchell just the year before who didn't, who had practically no contact. So, I hear you. I, I think it. it Look, like, but again, if if again, the, the one little caveat though is if if Keegan Murray was your guy the whole time, and you were doing everything to basically convince yourself of not drafting Keegan Murray at number four, and doing everything you could to trade, and it just doesn't come to fruition, and you just draft the guy you got, I, you know, I I can buy that on the surface level. However, it, it's just to me very. Very interesting that you were able you you drafted the the, the one guy you got to visit with. And, yeah, doing and everything
2: is having interviews with every single player that you can, so you are informed when you make that decision. Yeah, because and, it's more than about basketball; it's about who they are as people, what kind of personality they have. Like, it's so much more, and like right. this this franchise has shown me for the last. 12 years that I've covered them that they don't know how to interview people at all, that they are well, like, like as a whole, they don't know how to interview and hire people at all. To, and now we're in a situation where they, they literally just didn't interview a bunch of people. Yeah.
1: To, to that point, maybe just to, just kind of, you know, double down a bit on that though, is uh, whether or not it played a role, um, certainly whether it does or doesn't, or you put credence to, getting people in your building or not uh, as a, as a factor in in this draft process going forward if you're that front office if you're if you're the kings in general regardless you have to change the perception of your organization around the league and you have to do a lot of work to clean that up i i agree 100% open, okay so open doors open doors you have to yeah. open some doors yeah. yeah even through
3: all the difficulties that come with people not wanting to go to sacramento like it goes both ways. It's on both sides here, right? The front office should have been more active in, in searching guys even through the difficulties.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that there there could have been more done. And and I get it. They're going to say, oh, we did everything to, like, no, you didn't. Like, it, it, that's just not the case. It's just not the case. So, like, there are too many players that did not speak to the Kings. I, I know. They told us. Like, Tari Eason, he spoke to the Kings. He had kept in contact with the Kings the only one that really well, like we know was all over Sacramento was Keegan. And and so again like you interviewed one player like truly interviewed one player for the number 4 pick in the draft. So all right, so if you're listening right now to uh the King Speed podcast, uh if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to give us a thumbs up and go down below and subscribe. Uh it's we're growing quite uh quickly and it, it's been amazing to see all of the the new people jumping in. We would have liked to have done this one live last night. Uh, that didn't happen um, for a myriad of reasons. Uh, but uh, also jump on board with the King's Beat. Um, again, growing. It's It's been a lot of fun. We're going to have a happy hour coming up. I don't have the guest date yet, so I'm not going to say who the guest is yet, But uh, or guests. Uh, but we're going to do something uh, very soon. Um, Can I clean and,
1: something up real quick? Yeah i think it's probably a good thing we didn't go live last night oh yeah i agree <laughs> i think yeah. it was so james mentioned that that the, that, the, that the kings wouldn't give us a room to to do the podcast and and that is that is true however <laughs> there was oh, a concert yeah, going on uh the kings didn't have control of the arena um they probably could have found something maybe the lobby but there would have been a lot of commotion and people walking through and i think we would have been fine with that i'll be honest especially at just the way uh, the night progressed, I, I was ready to get my drink after work, and <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> so um, I, I, think it, I think it was a, a blessing in disguise, so I will thank the King's organization for not uh, allowing us to have a room. Um, I, I to, probably to, to would podcast.
2: have said a few things that I, I would have wished that I didn't, and yeah. that's without having a few drinks. Um, yeah, because I just like the entire evening... Just the way it played out. And look here, let's get to like we'll move on from from Keegan. I'm sure his name will be mentioned like 47 times more before we're done here. Uh, but it wasn't just the number four pick that's like led to like some severe head scratching. Um, number one, Rashawn Holmes is still on the roster, and you just got through the draft. Number two, Harrison Barnes is still on the roster. Number three. You didn't pick anyone else up. Number four, you traded the 49th pick for Sasha Vezinkoff, who may or may not come over. Monty McNair would not, under any circumstance, tell us whether they're going to try to bring him over this year. I think that they literally sold the pick for $1.75 million, and that's it. So that's what happened with that pick. And then the number 37 pick is, is going to, it could go down in infamy. Like, you had a, what was considered coming into this season, a top five player in Jaden Harvey, Hardy, who had a very rough go at the Ignite, but in a 12-game sample size, super small sample size. He falls all the way to number 37, and the Kings traded that for a 2024 and 2028 pick to the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks, of course, were in the Western Conference Finals this last year. Uh, They have a 23-year-old superstar. The chance of them being horrible over the next two years is slim. Uh, So what is that pick going to be? In the 50s, the fact that he's only 23, we don't even know how good that 2028 pick is going to be. All I can say is the people who just collected those picks, the chance of them being here to see those two picks play out Super slim. And on top of that, the Kings don't have a player uh, walking into the season because Keegan Murray will turn 22 in August. They don't have a player under 22 years old. They don't have a young player sitting there to groom and a prospect, a second-round pick, that they can work with to develop. And you had the seventh pick in the second round, and you gave it away for what amounts to a bag of peanuts four years from now. So – Am I wrong?
3: Not at all. Um, I think that it's also hilarious that he was in the draft room and just the fact that there's a picture of him in a Kings hat (laughs) and you can just already, you know, you can, it's very easy to picture how last night ends up coming back uh, to not look, not paint the Kings in the brightest light. And I think that even almost an optics point of view, like, you could really sell the upside of a Jaden Hardy or there's a handful of other guys they could have considered at at this pick. Like I I liked EJ Liddell, who I was surprised was falling. I don't know how he went to 41. I thought Trevor Keels was interesting at 42. Um, I, I thought that there were interesting guys there. And we certainly know that the Kings don't have much depth on this roster. Like who is the third string point guard? And are we sure that like Davion is going to be the backup point. Like, they could use another ball handler, and we don't know what the summer league roster is going to look like, which is just right around the corner at this point. The second rounders could have been on that summer league roster. Um, the second rounders were really confusing to me because I can justify Keegan, and I'm willing to give them benefit of the doubt until I see otherwise. Um, that. I think that Keegan is going to be a really good player and maybe I'm underestimating what his ceiling is and the work ethic and that he can continue to grow his game. It's the later picks that are confusing to me. Maybe the 47 for Sasha Vizenkov is maybe they actually do like him. I actually was surprised when I kind of went into his film. I thought he was a pretty good shooter at the size he's at and that maybe there's a spot. Like I, I liked that potential value um, Thirty-seven was a shocker, though. Like, what are you doing with a twenty-four and a twenty twenty four and a twenty-twenty-eight second-round pick, like from the uh, Mavs? it's yeah. you know, like it.
2: It's yeah. not like you made that trade with the Detroit Pistons or another team that's on the low level. I don't know. What do you think, Sean? I are think, we overblowing
1: well, this? Uh, no, no. I think especially when it comes to Jaden Hardy, that that is certainly worthy of it. I think um, what they're trying to do is not give roster spots. Um, I think they've identified people that they'd they rather have. Um, and I think they're trying to keep what Monty McNair refers to as optionality open. And if it costs you, I don't agree with it, but I feel like, especially when it has someone like, there was probably six people that I thought were worthy of taking at 37 and keeping them on your roster. Um, Jaden was definitely one of them. And I, I thought that would have been a great person to to stash and and, and look to grow and um, have a lot of potential with, and uh, you know, especially giving it to Dallas again, a team that those second round picks are essentially meaningless. Um, I think it's frustrating. I get it. Vezinkov. I mean, I, at least it's a guy that I had heard of. It was it was somebody that's been highly touted in Europe. Uh, if you if people are asking me before the press conference or before even draft day I was like yeah there's I don't think there's any way he comes over I think it's literally just a a way to to you don't you don't need two second round picks and you're getting rid of the one that you don't really need uh <laughs> and then that blows up in the face when you get rid of the the, the one that makes sense for two that you're not going to need um and again like <sighs> the other part of that is I don't think they're going to bring him over. I don't think they're going to be able to. I think he's going to be fully content. He's 26 years old. I think he's content being the star in Europe. Um, hopefully, he wants to come over. I don't know what the buyout situation is like. I believe his contract goes to 2024. I'm not. I have no clarity on what the buyout is. But I will say, if there was a level of, uh, if there was a moment that raised my eyebrows in an optimistic way, is Monty McNair seemed to think he can come to Sacramento because he started talking about what kind of fit he'd be with people on the roster and, and, and things that he can do. So, um, Sean, I probably should have, that was a was lip service. Maybe. The yes, yes, for. yes, yes. I know. I, I, well, oh, we're who, were the, talk who, were the, who well, are talk about him. Well, I wish we had had, I wish we had had, I wish we had had another moment or two because I had kind of exhausted a lot of my questions already. I think I asked like four or five questions in that press conference and
2: I, that's because I decided not to ask any questions. <laughs>
1: yeah, why is that, James?
2: Because I was just like, "Hey, I like, like, what are he you was, gonna say? What are you gonna say?" Because I, like, <laughs> your lips are moving and nothing's coming out.
1: You do, there's a movie. I, I think I said this at the table last night. I don't know. I I wasn't sitting uh, at your guys's table. It was a little bit further. Um, but I, there's a movie called The Big Kahuna, and it's with. Uh, oh yeah. I don't know if anyone's seen it but it's it's almost like a play. It's very dialogue driven. Uh, it basically takes place in one room and it's a, there's a salesman and it's it's Kevin Spacey, Danny DeVito and Peter Fascinelli. Peter Fascinelli comes back after this uh, to, to to do this task and that he doesn't accomplish and and Kevin Spacey sits him down. He says, "I'm going to tell you something and it's not something I tell many people because it's the equivalent of me saying basically telling them to go to hell." And he goes, "What is that?" And he goes, "Which is to say, I don't believe you." A- and
2: that's what I say every that's single what... night when <laughs> right. Avery tells us that De- De'Aaron Fox is coming from the shower.
1: I go, "Avery, I don't believe you." So uh, I I I just draw that a little bit to say that yes, no, James was not asking questions. I'm glad he explained why. Um, I think you were still in curious as to what Monty was going to say even if you if you didn't believe him uh, I wanted but... to
2: watch him more than <laughs> I wanted to ask a question I wanted to watch him because like he's a re between the lines guy for me big time and and I also like he gives so little but he like if you're watching you learn more than if you're just sitting there trying to type quotes or if you're waiting to ask a question like Everyone in the room is going to ask the same questions. I, like, am I at that point supposed to just fillet him and say, "Like, hey, bro, you got a 32 win team? What? What the f? Like, <laughs> like no? I like at certain at a certain point. Like, I even went on the radio with these guys and uh, with the uh, with um, D'Lo and Casey, and I mean, they're losing their minds. And it was like, wait, wait, wait. We have to wait and see what happens in the next week because, like. Yes. Like I would like to fire somebody out of a cannon right now and, and make sure <laughs> they land outside the city of Sacramento city limits. Sure. Like, yes. Like I am looking at this and like, James is unhinged. No, like here's the problem. It, it's, I, I get it when Sean says like, this is his job. It's his everything. It's all that stuff. I disagree with that. It's ticket to uh, jobs. It's, media jobs that are no longer available because this team is so trash that large organizations like the athletic and nbc sports no longer pay to have the team covered because they don't have any faith in the team so yes it's Monty's job but it's everyone's livelihood like he like if you're not gonna build this thing if we're gonna have a redux of his first season where he drafted Tyrese Halliburton and then sat there on his hands and and like decided that Hassan Whiteside and and uh, what was it? Glenn Robinson the third were his only free agent acquisitions. No trades, no nothing. Lost Bogdanovich.
1: And lost James Ham. lost James. <laughs> he froze. James Internet saved him from himself. James not wrong, by the way. He's not wrong. I, no. I, I I understand it. I um, I he was he was getting to. I I, I want to ask him when he returns when he when he gets the ice to melt around him and and, and come back. <laughs> there he is. There's oh, James Van. Oh, melted shows so
2: the perfect time to. It did. To, Like
1: <laughs> I am, I can only imagine what you screamed into your microphone yeah. just a second ago. No. <laughs> I was I was going to ask because you said you you were you were watching him and you were what what was your takeaway of your observation of Monty McNair then. Oh, he was happy.
2: He thought he did well. But that tells me something that I don't think I like. Because if he thinks he did well, and he's the only one in the room that thinks he did well, that's a problem. Because, like, self-awareness at that moment, like, I, like I looked it up. While, while you, because you said, hey, they probably have some ideas for all those people on the roster. As of right now, the Kings have, like, nine guys on the roster like guaranteed money, like non-guaranteed money to Shemezi Metu, to Damian Jones, to Nemias Kada to Trey Lyles, to Dante DiVincenzo. Like this roster, they don't they have open roster spots. Like and they also have another two-way. Like Keda's not on a two-way, so you know. And, and they went out and they they picked up a couple of guys. We'll talk about those guys in a minute. Mm-hmm. But no, like I get you. Like the first thing he did, like I, I put my feet up he like looks over he smiles (laughs) like hey and i'm like oh man you think you did good and like they can be they can celebrate it but they a week from now this this roster better look a lot different 10 days from now when when free agency
1: starts well free agency doesn't really start until august though but so you got a lot of trades for the kings (laughs) <laughs> like no no free no free agency
2: there's... starts j- june 30th no.
1: no 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 free agency doesn't start until august this year the moratorium is is august 1st through the 6th then you can sign after that wait so no you can, are yeah. you sure yes yeah
2: no i could have sworn i looked it up and it's it no no june this 30th. year
1: it, it it caught me by surprise too just a couple just a little over a week ago because i i had forgotten that it was an adjustment for this year so you have plenty of time to 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 Sit back, do trades. Yeah, summer league is not going to be this. I mean, it still will be a hub. There's going to be a lot of things going on, but you're not going to be bringing in free agents and the like. That will that will have to wait until August this year.
3: I, it's I'm interesting. At this, that's what we're talking. Yeah, the whole Monty feeling good about that last night. I got the same impression, and it's interesting how I guess I took it a different way. I chose to. Then kind of believe him be like okay if you think this went well then i guess we'll see how it goes i don't agree and i think you have a very good point that if you're the only person in the room that's probably an issue but but you mean in a room full of
1: media members who right yeah right their room looked to be rather rather celebratory everybody agreed apparently (laughs) of course that could have been churched up a bit but i do think you know I don't believe. The only part I don't believe is that it was unanimous. I believe that they're excited to get the guy. I, I don't think there's a single person in that room that's like meh when it comes to Keegan Murray. Um, so I don't want anyone to to think that that you know that saltiness is there from from somebody like me. But um, you know, Sean,
2: everywhere I'm looking says June 30th at 6 p.m. Eastern time. No, no, time.
1: it's uh, I'll I'll bring it up for you.
2: Okay, yeah, because that's everything I've heard is that it, they moved it to June 30th last year, and they're doing it this year as well. The moratorium is six days. Like NBA,
1: I, NBA free agency doesn't... Uh, it was the... Let me see if I can find...
2: Oh, now I'm intrigued. Because <laughs> I was well under the understanding, and everywhere that I've looked says um, NBA free agency uh, starts... Let see.
1: This is good. I'll,
2: I'll
3: fill a little bit with Keegan Murray while you do research here. I think the one interesting part about Keegan Murray and kind of, like I said, I feel like at this point, there's a little bit of a trend in Monty McNair's draft history. Previously, it was hard to connect dots in my mind because it was only two players. If you're talking about the first round picks, Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, and it's hard to see exactly if Monty has a type or, or what his certain things that he values more than others are. Um, especially like Tyrese just kind of fell into his lap at 12. That felt like the obvious pick. It felt like um, Davion Mitchell getting taken where he did was somewhat revealing about um, the Sacramento Kings, and the position they were in, Monty McNair, like just focus more on somebody that's going to help impact right now. And then they sold a lot about the culture and the work ethic. And I think that now, again, for the third time in a row, you're getting a guy that, is ready right now, has very good college production. And I I think that there's a lot of value in, we know this guy's going to be good. And if he does take some outlier progression, like he has previously throughout his career and his arc, then he really can be somebody good. And then the other thing about uh, Tyrese, Davion, and now Keegan, I think every single one of those guys are players that, every team in the league would love to have on their roster. I don't think there's a single team in the league that wouldn't want any of those players on the roster because they do most things on the court at an okay to above average level, and they play their role well. I I think that they are just guys that you want to have on your team and should have decent value throughout the league. So they are playing it safe a little bit, but I, I do think that maybe I'm justifying to myself again, but I think that over time you keep getting guys that there's the guys that you want on your team that are all comp good complementary pieces. Eventually you're going to have a roster that has depth and has continuity and is all working well together. Um, but I think that would take longer than what we like, what we would like. And also longer than probably most of Sacramento including ownership front office and, and the fan base would like as well.
2: I'll say this too. Like Jeff Petrie had a very specific type of player. He wanted shooters. He wanted high basketball IQ players. He wanted multi-positional players. I see a lot of that in what, what we've seen from Monty so far, it's the basketball IQ piece that I keep seeing from him, which is great because when he took over this team, like it was not a smart team at all. Like basketball mm-hmm. IQ was super low as a whole. Um, They had some players that are high basketball IQ players, but they can't make up for the basketball IQ of some of their teammates. And I think we've seen that for a couple of years. I think that at this point they have cleared out a lot of that. Like this, this team is a much smarter team than it was before. And you hope that that equates to more wins. Same time, like talent trumps everything. You need talent in order to, you know, be successful at the NBA level and, like, we could argue all day long that they, they potentially passed on one of the most talented players in the draft. Um, and, and even saying that, I still don't think that it's a horrible—like, I, I would have taken Keegan Murray. I just wouldn't have taken him at four. Like, I would have tried to go to five, or I would have tried to go to six. And I think the, the fear of losing Keegan Murray stopped them from maybe doing something that, that would have made more short-term uh, sense for the team— And, you know, and in doing that, they probably they risked even long term success of the team because it's very possible that Ivy is a much better player down the road. And but I get it like Ivy didn't fit. His pairing with Fox would have been weird, like all of it. All of that would have been a mess. So I understand drafting Keegan. We'll just keep coming back to the same point. Like. I just couldn't have done it at four. I needed to go to five. And if you can't get something from five, I get it. But it's like moving to six, it, be- it started to become like the fear of losing him. And again, if you would have given Dyson Daniels, if you could have got Dyson Daniels in your bin- in your building, maybe you fell in love with Dyson Daniels and you would have been more comfortable at six. Maybe you fell in love with Mathran and you would have felt more comfortable. But you didn't do that. So, you know, round and round we go. Sean, did you find the date?
1: Uh, it seems to be some... Conflicting stuff uh, around. I'm gonna try and get some clarity on that. We can maybe either edit that out so there's no confusion. It's uh, okay. And throw it in there. I saw the ESPN one that said that it definitely starts uh, at the end, at, at June 30th, as you said. June but 30th. then there's like Sporting News who says, oh, we don't know when it starts. And then there's several blogs that have linked to, oh, it starts in August. So, um, got it. Yeah, I I think I th- I'm I'll get some clarity on that. We can figure that out. Yeah, I'm pretty I, sure. I, I would I'm actually hope sure it 30. starts earlier. I hope that's you know not the case for August, but. I'd rather it just get done, but it, it almost makes it a year-round thing.
2: Last year it was uh, it was August. They right. they moved it back last year. That so. was
1: pandemic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because there, the draft
2: was a little late, the, everything was a little late.
1: I did Damn. spend time though this morning with Fran McCaffrey. Yeah, and I saw that. One of the things that stood out in talking to him, and I would encourage people to listen to that because what no matter I feel like no matter if you're pro Keegan Murray if you're not if you need to be talked into it a little bit um there's two things yes he's going to gush about his kid and um that's that's expected but i thought there was some really nice uh moments in there of of uh, of insight and especially in regards to just how Keegan Murray operates and how he was this late bloomer um size-wise and how his body changed and how he wasn't heavily recruited and how he came to Iowa and how he, you know, really blossomed in that second season. Um, he also, you know, I made him compare, give him an NBA comparison. Cause he's talking about being able to do so much. This, this scorer, this guy who can stretch the floor, this guy who can pair well next to a big man and this guy who he considers to be a lockdown defender. Um, certainly things that if you're a Kings fan, you're going, man, that's exactly what they need. Right. Um, but he he used a guy a name that I, that made me raise my eyebrows. I also don't know that I believe him. But he said Grant Hill, and uh, you know Grant Hill was so much of a playmaker. I don't know that I see a lot of that in um, in in Keegan Murray. But uh, it it was just interesting for because he's been around him from so long. Fran McCaffrey is a guy who has has been around for so long with Iowa. He's been there since twenty ten. Um, you know he's had stops. He he, he kind of at different places and outlined some of the top tier talent that he's even uh, coached himself and encountered along his way. And you know Keegan Murray is is the most talented player that that he's basically had at his at his tutelage, and he's thrilled for him. And he, he and the other part he did is he outlined because he was incredibly, um, he was incredibly complimentary of the Kings organization and the way that they, they scouted this kid, how much they'd seen him. They came to him and spent time with him, uh, did a lot of that groundwork early on. And uh, I think it made an impression on him, especially for a guy who originally wasn't recruited very highly and then finds himself in in the mix of a top five pick. But uh, you know, I really, I really enjoyed the conversation. I think you can glean a lot from it. Um, And certainly to hear what these guys talk about, the Kings are getting in this kid is uh, is is pretty insightful, I thought, especially coming off the season that he's coming off of, where he was the uh, tournament MVP for the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, like again, I really like Keegan Murray, and I and I like that the Kings were like hot on him. I, I like his fit, I like everything about it. Um, you know, again, your coach is gonna say a whole lot of good things about you, but I I also I like what you said about him not being recruited and how the Kings recruited him, basically. And, and I think that that's a good thing. You know, it, it, He is going to feel loved. But almost every player that comes to Sacramento feels love. You know, when they get here, they, it's totally different than what they thought. And they usually end up falling in love with the city. The one thing I will tell you is that his usage at, at Iowa was close to 30%. It was huge. I mean, it was right around what De'Aaron Fox usage rate is. And his assist rate is where Harrison Barnes is. It's 10%. It's not good. So I I think that there are things that he does that will not translate at all. Like, there's not going to be four post-ups a game for Keegan Murray. That's just not going to happen. And and if it does, that's going to be really strange because the Kings have never done post-ups, and the post-ups have kind of gone away in the NBA, and they have Sabonis. And if there are going to be any post-ups, it's going to go to Sabonis. Uh, So that's one thing. Secondly... Like the three point shot should translate the a lot of what he does should translate shot blocks he's not going to block one point nine shots per game just my opinion he'll be right around one you know he'll get you what John Collins could get you uh, he is a, he is decent that way but watching film on him a lot of his shots the the blocks that he got were because he was just hanging out in the key, and that doesn't happen at the NBA level. You're not allowed to just hang around the key and wait to go do a help block. Uh, That doesn't happen. And so a huge amount of his blocks were in that kind of uh, scenario. So I I think he's going to be a good defensive player. I don't think he's going to be great. I think he'll be league average and maybe a slightly above league average. I don't think he'll be locked down, uh, but I have no problems with with that. Uh, I think he'll be a good scorer. I don't think he'll be a great scorer. Um, I don't think he'll – like. I, I heard his conversation with you. He thinks that he'll average 10 rebounds a game. Yeah, I don't no. see that. No, and, and 20 points, I don't see either. Like, if if he gets to a point where he's 18 and 8, that would be great. But I, you know, even that is a little high. I would say, like, 6.5 to 7.5 rebounds a game. Like, I, again, I, I really like him. I think he's going to be a really good starter for the Kings for a long time, Um, you know.
3: Yeah. i think the transition game is is going to be really good too I, I think that keegan is really really good in transition i think his first step is underwhelming but once he gets two or three in ahead of steam going downhill i thought that he was a force in transition and, and we know that sacramento um, i'm assuming that with mike brown they'll still be a very high-paced offense and and De'Aaron fox and i think sabonis fits that style as well if he's playing the five and able to get boards and take it himself and and those are his outlet options um I'm kind of selling myself on the fact that um, I'm talking myself into, you know, maybe I'm wrong and there is more potential. And uh, he's reached acceptance. But the only way he's
2: reached acceptance,
3: (laughs) I'm just trying to present the other side. I don't believe that it will happen, but there is like, look at year one to year two at Iowa for Keegan Murray. Nobody expected him to take that sort of leap. And, like, is that because of the character? Um, is it a more opportunity with Luca Garza gone? Is it his work ethic? It's probably a combination of a little bit of everything. Um, but maybe a guy that is able to take an outlier leap, like, that has another one um, do at, at some point in his future. Because in my mind, if Keegan Murray is able to put the ball on the deck a little bit more in attack closeouts... Um, then, then finishing at the rim, it gets a little bit more appealing where I think he's been interesting. And defensively, I, I agree with you, James. I kind of think that the, the block numbers and, and even the steal numbers are a bit maybe give off the wrong impression. I don't think he's that type of help defender that is changing your defense. I think he's a part of a really good defense. I think that he's a solid ball defender and versatile in that way. I don't think he's somebody that's out there causing havocs causing havoc for opposing offenses, forcing turnovers. Um, it's certainly going to be an improvement from the starting, a low starting point that the Kings fours were at last season, but I don't think he's a phenomenal difference maker in that end. Um, so I'm talking to myself into where maybe there is potential upside, but I still think that he's going to fit no matter what, but maybe there is that next level of growth and, and I'm, I'm reading this wrong. There's also this
2: uh, rationalizing, and now he's accepting. There's
3: also this. I wouldn't uh, have said that
2: last night.
1: Any of that, right there. Yeah. This photo that I ran across last night, which I thought was pretty interesting, where they put the top three picks there. Uh, It's kind of hard to see, but there we go. Maybe that. eh, Let me angle it (laughs) right. I don't know if you
3: can. For for anyone not watching on YouTube, yeah, it's the top three guys, and then Jaden Ivy. There's a noticeable ads.
1: absence, and it's, yeah. he was
3: there. You
1: know, he was there.
2: Yeah, but, but yeah, they no, weren't no, able no, to get in the him picture. to go talk to us. I mean, <laughs> again, no, I mean that's part of it. Like, like again, it's it's unfortunate. The Kings just they they lost a lot of people, and you know, yeah. so they they are
1: in the midst of hiring. They'll figure and it out. They'll figure they, that out. They will. They will figure it's it out. Just it it was unfortunate last night
2: okay so uh we've got uh, sasha Vesenkov uh and then the kings actually signed keon ellis according to shams uh from alabama to a two-way uh and they also got jariah horn from tulsa jariah horn like his path to the nba first of all he's like he's like older than brendan i think he, um, his and- first
3: year in college was Darren fox's rookie year, uh freshman year
2: yeah, so he, start, he started in Nebraska, uh, transferred to Tulsa, left Tulsa to go – where did he go? Uh, Colorado. Uh, left Tulsa to go to Colorado, yeah. And then went back to Tulsa. So, like, he, he's like a 40-year-old man who's <laughs> still, still in college. Um, but uh, Jariah Horn, six seven, two twenty, 220, uh, can shoot the rock, can defend, long defender. Um, they signed him. It, I think that's probably a summer contract or an Exhibit 10 contract. Uh, maybe he gets an invite to to training camp. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's part of uh, you know G League squad. Maybe he's not. Uh, but Keon Ellis is at least intriguing. Um, one of the better defenders, uh, especially perimeter defenders in the draft. Uh, and like he looks like a decent three and D guy. Measured in at like six four and three quarters at the combine, not the six six that he was listed as. Um, but a good shooter um, and kind of a fierce defender, Uh, a 2A. Like, we don't know how that will work out because uh, the Kings haven't had great success there. Um, But, like, any thoughts on those guys?
3: Keon interests me. Um, I I think that he's intriguing. Like I said, they don't have, in my mind, a third-string point guard. Um, And I think that Keon is an interesting spot for that, where I think he's... A solid on-ball defender, um, especially fighting through screens. And I think that most of Sacramento's guards are pretty horrible at fighting through screens. Um, Even Davion, I think, has his struggles there, even though he's phenomenal in isolation. And then Keon, offensively, doesn't really He's not a guy that you want to have the ball in his hands initiating offense. I think he's just kind of a catch-and-shoot guy and and can cut as well. I think there's intrigue. Um, I'm definitely going to watch a whole lot of Keon Ellis today and probably talk myself way too much into him. And to be fair, I also very much believed in Robert Woodard and Jamias Ramsey when they got picked. I think just spending a lot of time (laughs) going through the second rounders, I'm going to end up believing in – or at least seeing how it could work. And, again, until I'm like – all right yeah this
1: isn't happening if you um, do that and you don't watch swingers i'm gonna be so pissed <laughs> off I, uh, you're talking about guys that are come on man
2: i'm gonna
3: actually take the james strategy and watch both at the same time
1: no don't do that That's
3: why terrible. not all in one sitting though it's money, that make it better come on <laughs> um uh. and then I, I don't know much about jariah horn uh as of now except for kind of what you went through a bit and i'll get more familiar on him and in due time here, but I think that Sasha uh Vazenkov is, but is intriguing to me. I, I do think that the three point shooting that he showed over in the Euro league and being on the all Euro league team this year, he had like M- MVP consideration and the shooting at his size. I think he does a decent job putting the ball on the floor and moving it like defensively. I think he's a negative, but he has okay moments. Um, I think that there's a chance that the reason, because like Sean said, he's a star in Europe right now. Like I could see why somebody would just want to stay as a star in the position that he's in. He seems to be in a pretty good spot in the Euro League, but the Kings don't exactly have anything going on at the backup four right now, in my mind, locked in. I think if he worked, which there's nothing saying he will, I have no clue, that there could be a role for him here. Like, maybe some of these other teams that had his rights, like, I don't know if I want to come over. How many minutes am I really going to play? Am I right in the bench? Like, if Sacramento really likes him and thinks that there's an opportunity for him to be the backup for and he gets a legit opportunity, then maybe that's a reason that he's willing to come over. Um, but who knows? Um, probably not a major impact guy or anything like that, but I could see it potentially working.
2: Yeah, I, I like the tape on him. Um, maybe Maxie Clyburn. Uh, maybe a little bit of like Omri Caspi but with uh, I I think he's a little clunkier with his feet Uh, but you know a decent athlete uh, pretty smooth like fluid Um, you know and he can shoot the ball like I I, I didn't hate it either Um, but I don't think he's coming over and I think they just sold the pick and they don't want to they don't want to say that and so uh, we'll see how it goes Um, okay let's get to the business of basketball because I think Sean has fallen asleep.
1: No, Sorry. I'm, it is July 1st for start of free agency. I just opened up a can of worms and I'm going through some, uh, m- my phone keeps blowing up. So <laughs>
2: we're good. Gotcha. Gotcha. There's,
1: that's a good business of basketball with the, uh, with the start of free agency. Sorry for the, uh, the bad Intel there.
2: No, it's okay. Yeah. The start of free agency is June 30th at th- uh, 3 PM Pacific time. And, But you can't actually sign anybody. Uh, There's a moratorium and and all that. I think it's still like uh, the 6th is the day. July 6th is the day you can actually sign somebody. Um, The Kings have uh, some decisions to make there. We should find out about Trey Lyles like any time. Whether they extended the qualifying offer to um, Dante DiVincenzo. We'll find out at at, at any time. I expect them to probably renounce the rights to guys like josh jackson's just to make sure that they have cap space uh whatever cap space they do have they don't have a ton of cap space uh but uh I, i guess let's start there like what do you think happens from here until like the first week of free agency how many rotational spots do the kings replace how many how many players do you expect they add like is there any trade that you think that that might happen what is it that you're looking at that says okay this team can go from you know thirty five, thirty six wins to forty five, or is that way out of the possibility?
3: I was told to not have any expectations. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's true.
2: So that I is lowered true.
1: Expectations. I, mean, I don't know, they- man. Like the draft may have completely done. It. I for me, it doesn't. Like I was expecting some chaos around the draft. There really wasn't a lot of trades. Um, not a lot of movement for the second straight year, and. Yeah, I, I am I'm, I'm I'm I have that expectation as well with as I think we all share that that they're going to be active again because that's the best way to to make your team any better I think it'll be disappointing if you go into the season where you don't really have trades you had to rely on some free agency where previous free agencies have not been kind to you and if that's the case then you're in for a world of hurt starting uh <laughs> starting opening night
3: yeah I, I think that the one that stands out to me for sure is Rashawn Holmes. And I think HB to a lesser extent, but Holmes, to me, if he's on the roster at the beginning of the year, like just what what is happening? I think that another potential trend that we're starting to see um, as this offseason goes on and now that this is the third with Monty McNair is that maybe it's not that he's not a closer, it's that like he's just overvaluing his assets. Like maybe the reason that you never feel like you're getting enough value for your guys is because you're valuing them too high. And I, I think that if you're holding on to Rashawn Holmes because you're not happy with what you're potentially getting in return and Holmes is not the same personality as a buddy heel, the Marvin Bagley. I don't think it's an issue necessarily in the locker room or anything like that, but you're holding on to an asset and not getting the most value out of it. And I think that's where the issue comes and We've seen this. A couple times now with Bogdan Bogdanovich How many summers has it Or uh, off seasons and deadlines Has it been of Harrison Barnes talk And we've heard things about Deals that I think are okay Returns for Harrison Barnes and now we're Going into what's going to be the last year of him Is there a chance he ends up Walking for absolutely nothing after All of this Um, I think that you could be running into the same Situation with Rashawn Holmes I, I think that maybe it's the same situation with The fourth overall pick that we just saw And I just think that there has to be more moves. And Rashawn Holmes is the one for me that I I just don't see how Monty in the front office can sit there and just wait for a deal that they like again, because that's what keeps happening. And it threw away all of last season.
2: Yeah. I'm going to say that I I still believe that Harrison Barnes will be traded between now and the start of the season. Um, To me, like, does he fit with Keegan Murray? Sure he does, but I don't think he's signing an extension. And if you can't get him to sign an extension this summer, then he needs, he needs to find a new home right now. Um, What you don't want is, you know, the possibility for an injury or something to make it. So you lose him for nothing that you can't trade him at the deadline. Um, And then what happens if you're playing really well at the deadline and you know, you can't trade him because you take a step back. Well, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to retain him during the summer. So I would shop him heavy right now. Uh, I do think that they've limited themselves because I think there are more power forward types that are available right now than there are small forward types that are available. Um, But you got to start listening to offers like nonstop. And I'm really surprised that we just got through, you know, the draft and he's still on the team. Um, But I also like that's because that's the one moment where, you know, you can get other assets, different types of assets that mean something to someone else. Um, And so I, I I don't know. I, I do expect him to be on the move. I expect them to try to revamp this roster. Um, But, you know, whether they can do that or not, like, like I, I thought that they could have revamped the roster before, the trade deadline last year. I thought that they could have moved the pick and done something this year. Um, I thought they could have moved their pick last year and done something different. And uh, every time that I think we kind of think that they might do something, they don't. And so I I am intrigued to see what happens here, but like you're on the clock because this team just isn't... It's flat out. It's just not good enough. Definitely. As it sits right now. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how...
3: I weirdly think... And my issue has been beyond... Here he goes with another Jaden. Oh. Well, it's no, my happening. issue my issue has been beyond the first round of the playoffs and how do you get past that, right? But I do think that their roster totally could get to the playoffs. Right now? I think now? if they get something for Holmes. Yeah. It's... It's... We're, I think that the Sean roster. always
2: says until they prove they can do it, they right. can't do it. Should. First. They
3: should. They <laughs> should. <laughs> no, I, I okay, so I think that even last year's talent level, they underperformed for the talent level. And there were obviously a handful of complications, Buddy and Bagley being moved on from um, and that kind of just <sighs> Bad feeling around the team and, and it being infectious. I, I think that that should be moved on from. Although you know you never know if it's a slow start, what could creep back up at any point. Um, the whole you are going to have the same coach the entire year, and I really do think sixty games of Fox and Sabonis is such a substantial difference than the fifteen you got last year. Like last year was such a mess. I do feel like last year they were they significantly underperformed their talent level in my mind. I think that basing it off like they're a, they were a thirty-win team last year, like yeah, that that's what they came away with. It, I think that if you are able to actualize the talent on the roster and optimize it, that they should have been better in that than that. And I think that there are ways that this team is a nine seed next year. I, I think that they have the ability to be a. I was gonna say much improved defense but that's also from a pretty low starting point but like you know they can throw a lineup out there now that all of a sudden is maybe pretty good on defense like can you put a Davion Mitchell Dante DiVincenzo Harrison Barnes Keegan Murray DeMontis Sabonis like all of a sudden maybe it's just me like craving watching defense and getting a stop every once in a while but I'm like hey that's that's a lineup right there and, and that doesn't even have your best player in it like I do think, I do think that
1: they're, yes, (laughs) I think. How about, how about this though? How about this though? You still said nine, nine seed, right? Yeah. Not playoffs.
3: You're right. You're right. And this is where my, yes, but
1: it would be a feel good story for next season. You you can just say you think they're improved with just Fox and a a full season of Fox and Sabonis. I would agree with you. And and yeah, certainly you can add Keegan Murray because I do think he could be impactful. And I would agree with you. I just to say playoffs at this point. Uh, no, no, you're right. You're right. Way way, They're yeah. postseason three players. Three players
2: yeah. right now. Postseason and not three with the that play-in tournament.
1: Well, the postseason, but the drought still refers to postseason. Like it's still it's a it's its own little thing. Like the the play-in scenario. Okay, great, you're there, but. That doesn't yeah. mean wow. anything. Steve so Clifford if, just
2: took the Charlotte job.
3: How about that? He's
2: wow. back. He's back, baby. He's back. He's wow. He is
3: back. Um, yeah. I, I guess my point to close, close this out is wouldn't a 40-win team, which I don't think is that far out of the picture, wouldn't that be a really feel-good story coming off what it was last year? Again, my issue is I don't know how they improve from that, but I think it would make for a pretty fun year next year that the fan base would really – enjoy like I think that there's a chance that they are playing competitive basketball that's enjoying to watch and they're not the crap show that we saw last year where it gets difficult admittedly is when you look at the rest of the west because I can look at it and be like oh man I I like this roster you can make some fun lineups but are you better than even the Portland Trailblazers like Sean said you got who got Damian Lillard back they also traded for Jeremy Grant which by the way they had a first round pick that they were willing to get rid of because they traded cj McCollum before maybe if sacramento had moved harrison barnes at a previous deadline and had a first round pick that that's something they would have been comfortable giving up because maybe they don't want to give up their own first round picks because those tend to be pretty valuable um the pace or the blazers also got Shaden sharp and if he ends up working out well their timeline looks a whole lot better than the Kings. so I definitely can admit, like, while I look at the Kings roster, and I think that I'm going to enjoy watching Kings basketball a lot more next year, and I do think there is value in that, and maybe I'm just talking myself into it. At the same time, the surrounding teams in the West uh, make it pretty tough.
2: A 10 win jump in the NBA is nearly impossible, especially with adding one rookie. Even if you're talking about health and everything else, like it's it's really really difficult. And I'll go back to the last year, Dave Yeager, Yeager, when they won 39. And then they came back the next year. And I thought, okay, Luke Walton should be able to figure this out. And they went backwards. And that's... As a lot of teams do. They you do. You get a
1: brand new head coach and, and yeah. things change, you know?
2: Yeah. I thought that they had done enough that, hey, I could see them getting at least a little bump here. All right, let's, uh, let's close this out. Um, final thoughts. Sean, you got any final
1: thoughts? oh i'm glad the draft is over i'm looking forward to summer league man i actually really am um i'm looking forward to are you going to vegas i'll be in vegas um but i but i'm looking for what i'm i'm looking forward to seeing uh mike brown in action with his staff uh with with some players that mainly won't be on the team when it comes to summer league but you can kind of get a feel for what they're trying to do, um, what that staff looks like, how it, it it has to be completed. Hopefully, here in the next, uh, I, w- I would imagine, couple weeks. Um, I, I believe Lindsey Harding will be a part of the team. Um, I, I still think she will be there. Uh, I, I'm not so sure about Rico Hines, um, but those uh, previous staff members who were up in the air, you know, they're, they're coming. Their their contracts draw to a close here in this uh, final week, so. Uh, July 1st is the start of the new NBA season. Um, I know we, we, there was a confusion about free agency earlier on my part, but, yeah, even even if uh, free agency had started in August, the new start of the season is technically July 1st, so that part I definitely knew. But free agency was obviously, uh, as James mentioned earlier, and we saw those reports, I was able to finally clear that up. Um, but I think to see Mike Brown, his staff, around these guys there's gonna be a lot of focal focal point on uh keegan murray uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see it cal classic in san francisco before it goes to vegas and hopefully some uh some practice time before these guys hit the hit the court and that game in uh in vegas where it's going to be sacramento versus orlando where keegan murray and Paolo ben get to face off could be very very interesting
2: hmm. brennan final thoughts
1: yeah absolutely could be
3: interesting um I know it probably sounds like I'm overcorrecting or, or, yeah, going through stages on this pod compared to the last few. I think that I, uh, went a little stir crazy from talking about the same stuff in the draft process and totally still am, and with all the, I, I think Jaden Ivey was, or getting something along with, with Murray. Like, I don't like the valuation of pick four. Um, but after Keegan is taken and you know he's the guy, I can't help but, Look forward to watching Keegan Murray. I, I think that he's a player that I really enjoy, um, that I'm going to enjoy, and he's the type of player that Sacramento did need. Um, I don't love the valuation, and I, I kind of just honestly feel bad that he's going to have this Jay Ivy thing attached to him forever. Um, I guess that's just the nature of the NBA and guys who are taken high in a draft. That's that's going to end up happening, um, but. A, a weird situation so I, I think that I'm really excited to watch watch Keegan. I, I think that the fan base is going to absolutely love him. Um and by next pod I'll probably be way too excited about Keon Ellis.
2: There it is. Um okay so I'll finish up with this um we've got all kinds of things happening. We'll switch gears uh starting on Tuesday. We'll jump into free agency talk. Um there is no Jaden Ivy so so Brendan can't get stuck on Jaden Ivy and free agency. Uh, there is a Royal Ivy. Maybe maybe Royal Ivy can come out of retirement and, and That'd help be good. Burn it out there. Uh, we can talk Actually about no, Royal that, Ivy. That would not no, be good. <laughs> it would not be good. <laughs> um, but, uh, like, look, this is going to be a fast-moving machine that happens here over the next, like, 10 days, 15 days, um, going right from free agency into Cal Classic, into Summer League. Sean will be in Vegas. I'm not going to go to Vegas. I'm going to enjoy my boat a whole bunch. Uh, but we'll still have pods every single Tuesday and Thursday. Um, but we'll have a, a roving correspondent there, which is awesome. Uh, Brennan and I, I think are both going to Cal Classic. I might be Bay in area. Vegas too, actually. Oh, Brennan's think going to Vegas. There's a good chance. Vegas. Yeah. All right. Well, get that get oh. that media credential. Get that media credential quick. Uh, yeah. So uh, it should be an interesting like week and a half, two weeks as we build up to. Uh, the, the true off season which won't even happen until, like, the third week of July. Um, maybe the fourth week of July. Um, but, uh, yeah, it should, it should be a, a fun run here. Um, okay, we've done final thoughts. Make sure, uh, if you're still watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Uh, subscribe to the Kings Beat. Jump on board. Um, we'll post a video that Sean will drop it in uh, down below with a, the head coach uh, from Iowa. That Sean had, um, so I'll, ha- I'll have a link of that down below in the description, um, so you can go find Sean's good work um, there, and uh, I think that'll do it for this edition of the Kings Beat Podcast. So for Fox 40's Sean Cunningham, and of course, uh, Brennan Nunes from the Kings Herald and the Kings Pulse Podcast, I'm James Hamby, Kingston Saturday for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. We'll see you on Tuesday.